The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles, and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology, the Theory of Everything, with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We're here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self-awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo and Janie. Welcome. I'm Janie McCarthy, and I'm here today with my co-host and friend, Mary Jo Weavers, and a special guest, Jessica Dibb. She is the founder, spiritual director, principal teacher of the Inspiration Consciousness School in the Baltimore, Maryland area from where I'm broadcasting. And she is also a principal presenter at the International Enneagram Conference and has been for over a decade. Uh, We'll be continuing our series today on the Sun Signed Leo and talking about a very highly personal topic to all of us, that is the ego. I think you know what I'm referring to. It's that self-constructed mask or image we all create at some point in our lives, hiding who we really are, and at our core essence, um, sometimes very disguised until we work on the ego. Jessica has been helping students for years dive deeper into themselves, and she uses an ancient wisdom school personality profiling instrument called the Enneagram, which she'll share with us today. Hey, Mary Jo, hi, and welcome, Jessica. Hi. Thank you so much, Mary Jo and Janie, for having me. It's an honor. It's exciting to have you with us today. So, Jessica, let's begin by having you tell us about the consciousness movement, what it is, and how you became involved in it. Mm. Well, you know, Mary Jo, people have been asking the deep questions about life since they existed. We look up at the sky, we look at, at the world and how it operates, and we wonder, what is the meaning of this? What is my place in it? How did all of this come to be? And the consciousness movement really is as old then as consciousness is itself. When I refer to the consciousness movement currently, I'm talking about the particular emanation that has arisen in the United States, but but also around the globe. But I think the United States kind of a symbol of this new wave of it, which is an emergent uh, melting pot of ancient wisdom, ancient lineages, all the way through to 
um, through the Age of Enlightenment and Reason in Europe, through the birth of psychoanalysis through Freud and Jung, um, all the way through to the Western traditions coming from the Hermetic traditions, the Judeo-Christian um, evolving teachings into the 20th and 21st century where people were beginning to find ways to delve into these questions and have direct experiences of what we might call non-ordinary states of consciousness or higher states of consciousness or awakened states of consciousness, uh, states or experiences that included um, a sense of unity, a sense of unbounded love, unbounded clarity, um, intuition, guidance, a sense of ground, what people would call groundedness, um, able to function from the core of our being. All of this happening in the 20th and 21st century where it hasn't necessarily for everyone been connected to a particular uh, lineage or way of practicing, but there have been these kind of emergent mixing together of the wisdom of many different traditions and schools and a trust even, um, which I think is, is somewhat new, a trust in the organic unfolding within each individual of how it is that the life force or consciousness or love or we might call it God or the divine is manifesting in a unique way through that person. So we find ourselves here in the 21st century with just all kinds of experiences happening that are, are, are truly new and unique and they're at the forefront of the consciousness movement. So... <clears throat> As a part of that, let's talk a little bit about the ego, its relevance to what's referred to as personality, and what you've also mentioned as core essence. Mm, beautiful. Well, you know, it's such a wonderful opportunity to be able to articulate this and clarify about it, because I think that in, in spiritual orientations, the ego has become gotten a bad rap. It's, it's gotten the sense that it's something very negative, that um, it's kind of like our shadow self. It's our self-centered self. And I really have come to see it differently because of my direct experiences with working with the deepest yearning in people, when I, I have never met a person, no matter what is their orientation, no matter how, quote, good a life they've lived or, quote, you know, bad a life they've lived, who, if you talk to them long enough, you didn't find out at the core of them was a desire to have an experience that have a meaningful life, to, to feel like they both were able to give love and receive love, that they were able to participate in some way that was meaningful to others. I think every human being just wants to feel love. They want to feel worthy. They want to feel they, their life has value. They want to feel like they understand things. 
And so what I've come to um, experience, the e- so I, I'm going to call what I was just talking about a doorway to core essence. I think if we are able to be fully present, not dissociated from the moment, but we're actually able to breathe right here, right now, without a goal of somewhere else that we need to be and without a lingering in the past as if somehow the way the past has been um, can prevent us from having the experience of fulfilling love, integration, and wholeness right now, if we can actually land in the moment, we, we experience and discover that these core essence qualities um, that are universal to all of us, things like love, personal value, depth and meaning, beauty, clarity, guidance, wisdom, joy, power and vitality and aliveness, peace and a sense of unity and home, um, alignment and a sense of blessedness and sacredness and right action. These things are, are pretty universal and this is really what everybody wants is and wants to experience. And the e- what I've come to experience as the ego is um, a very creative um, we've taken, in a sense, unconsciously, we've taken our precious kinesthetic, emotional, and cognitive energy, our, our kinesthetic, emotional, and cognitive capacities, and we have uh, spent them or dedicated them to choosing ways of being, reacting to the world acting in ways that we think will get us to these core essence qualities because it has felt so terrifying, so painful, so full of suffering to be separated from them. And the difficulty is that when we do that, the one who is trying very valiantly to get back to these, this experience of essence, if you will, is one who is feeling separated, one who is feeling fearful, one who is feeling uh, pain that is causing us to react rather than to be present. And so the one who is doing that cannot really see the clear path. And so what happens, for instance, is if our core essence is particularly, shall we say, um, appreciating of the essence quality of love, if there's a way that that's a very natural, the, the, the capacity to be caring, to be kind, to be attentive, to be responsive, um, to be generous, if that's something that we're naturally very good at, but there's the mistaken impression or what the Buddhists would call the delusion that we've somehow been separated from this source, then we take all of these capacities that we have and all the energy and we try to be a loving person or we try to bring love to each situation. And the difficulty is is that the one who's thinking that needs to happen isn't noticing that the love is actually always here. And so it's a, they've, we've created a separate self who's now thinking, I'm going to be the one who loves 
I am going to be the one who gets loved. I will bring the love. And that's a separate uh, self or I from the actual love itself. And so the ego is actually a valiant attempt to get back to essence, but it's slightly misguided. It's separated from the source. And therefore, as good as its efforts may sometimes be, it will miss the mark and eventually, well, cause us suffering at a very deep level. Hmm. Jessica, I've um, heard uh, a description that resonates with me that the ego is meant to be in service to our, our greater self, our greater spiritual self, and to help us navigate our physical material world. And it, it sounds to me what you've just been saying is um, the ego can get in the way when it has it's disassociated from our core essence, but actually can be quite a beautiful thing in service to us when it maintains that connection to the core essence. Is that correct? Well, that's a brilliant question. It, it is absolutely correct. And I think this is one of the... Um, most important discernments at this time in the consciousness movement that needs to be made. We need to cease seeing the ego as bad and somehow either try to, you know, the old language we, I think, misinterpreted from the East is that we need to kill our ego or, you know, um, and I, I don't think that's at all the truth. The truth is we're highly creative beings there is so much, uh, there's such a richness and plethora of capacities in us. And these capacities we have, the, one of the capacities that we have is to make choices about what we do. And so in the sense you could say that the ego is the compilation of conscious and unconscious choices that we make. And our task would be to, to bring up all the unconscious places that are acting out of fear and pain and suffering, or reacting, should we say, out of pain and fear and suffering, and creating long-term patterning that is uh, detrimental to our experience of essence and bringing our full gifts to the world, um, that we need to, to cease sort of trying to kill that off and instead see that we can utilize those the creation of um, a way of being that will actually be in service to our most important gifts, our most profound and essential gifts. And so it's not that we want to just give license or even a, in a sense feel oh, just a sense of... Um, satisfaction at behaving in ways that we know are causing ourselves or other people suffering. But we do want to utilize the ego's capacity to create in the service of the things that really matter. So as we dissolve these unconscious patterns, what we'll find is that all of the things that we created or learned to do as a separate self, as an ego, that are of use to our essence will remain. For instance, you and I can talk. We both know how to speak English. We're, we're doing a lot of creative things here right now. I won't lose that ability as my um, unconscious egoic reactivity settles down and dissolves and that energy is freed up 
to choose to serve essence. I'll still have that capacity of my ego. I will still have the capacity to make discernments that I may have learned out of different knowledge, different experiences. So everything that is is useful about the created ego will remain even when we're in a state of complete presence and awakening. Mm, beautiful. So what I'm listening to is more of an effort to integrate all parts of ourselves, including this ego. And having been a student in your classes and having worked with the Enneagram, maybe you could share with the audience the history of the Enneagram, why you chose it to be a vehicle to better understand these fragmented parts of ourselves and a improved doorway to that core essence. Mm, beautiful. Thank you, Janie. Well, you know, it, at Inspiration, Inspiration Consciousness School and Community, our effort has always been to create a laboratory, a training ground, um, a holding field that would be as deep as any, you know, Tibetan or um, yogic ashram that you might might find in the Himalayas, where the people are just absolutely devoted to consciousness and to awakening and even enlightenment. To do that here but to have people live in their homes, in, you know, on the streets, so to speak, um, but have the same depth of experience that they would if, uh, if they had been able to retreat from the world. I mean, the same degree of sort of profound, boundless, mystical experience, radical and rigorous psychological and physical transformation and a connection with uh, the ecosystem of, of Gaia, of Mother Earth, and our connection with all things at a level where we're actually able to, in a sense, listen and dialogue and converse with all living things. And so even before I came upon the Enneagram in the early 1990s, there was a kind of profound, powerful, radical work going on by the very beautiful uh, students and souls that have come through here, many of whom have gone on to be, you know, leaders and teachers in their own right, such as yourself, um, and developed, you know, added to the way that we're working with things and, and the kind of lexicon of our understanding. And so what I observed, you know, in, in the cauldron of all of that, especially in the 90s, I would say, was that uh, it was possible for a person to actually awaken fully if we were able to construct a container inside of them and a holding container outside of them with community in which they could relax their defenses so much that they could tap into this essence inside of themselves and we would we work with people kinesthetically, emotionally, cognitively, spiritually, all kinds of uh, levels so that so that we're really getting neurological change with states of consciousness happening right there in the classroom. And I would notice that we could that, that can be done. 
Um, and it, it would it would take a lot of focus on the part of the students and the teachers and the breath workers and guides who are other uh, staff that we have here. But it could it would happen. But what I would notice is that even though it would cause lasting change, it would cause lasting awareness. Somewhere between, I would say, two seconds and two weeks after the person had had that experience, I could just notice that something that seemed to have a life of its own was co-opting the fruits and energies of this liberation of these more heightened boundless energies that have been tapped and starting to use them for their own purpose. And we kind of then have to go in at a new level and do it again and again and again. And of course, people will have to keep doing inner work again and again and again. But when I came across the Enneagram, it took me about 15 seconds of hearing what was being described about the first type that I was listening to to understand that here was a map, a brilliant, creative, cognitive map that came from all the way, we're now tracing it back, some of the origins even to ancient Egypt, but certainly through um, the Desert Fathers and the Greeks. I mean, there's just many places that we can trace it from coming through to the 20th century. That this brilliant map had already noticed nine gifts that human beings have the capacity for, nine dimensions of expression of the divine, and therefore had been able to show nine ways that we forget who we really are, nine ways that we leave presence, nine illusions that we have about ourselves, nine ways that we forget the essential quality, and we try to create um, what I might call a pseudo-effort of that particular quality. And I thought, wow, if we integrate this knowledge into the student's experience, then they will be able to catch themselves in the act after their awakening experiences of starting to use that awakened energy for this... um, a reactive, fear-based uh, attempt to get to essence. And it, it just has been a brilliant inclusion in our teaching tools and the laboratory that we have here. Jessica, that's fascinating. Let's go ahead and take a short break now. And then when we come back, we'd like to have you uh, describe the Enneagram model for our listeners. We will be taking live calls in the last segment of our show. And the number that you can call in is 1-866-472-5795. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. 
Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com. Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.maryjoweavers.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, please call 1 866 472 5795. Again, that's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to astrotalkradio at iCloud.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Mary Jo Weavers with co-host Janie McCarthy. Before the break, we were talking with Jessica Dibb about the Leo topic of the ego and hearing how she uh, has been using the Enneagram model in the Inspiration Consciousness School, of which she is the director. Um, so let's go ahead and, and hear more about that, Jessica. It seems like like the astrological chart, the Enneagram reveals feature of our features of our ego personality and helps us become aware of our unconscious attitudes and behaviors. So would you go ahead and describe the Enneagram model for us? Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mary Jo. Yes, you know, the Enneagram is again showing us uh, nine essence qualities of life or nine essential dynamics that exist in every moment. I mean, I feel like I can even look out at trees and I can notice these different variations of energy. Um, again, if we sort of just, these, would, these will be very brief, but if we thought about the first thing is that we arrive, existence is, um, you know, God is, things just are, the, the, the great I am that I am is like the energy of the Big Bang. It's, it's, it's infinite, it's infinitely dimensional, it's highly emergent, it's the Shakti, the key, the Chi, um, of which the whole, uh, every moment is birthed from. But that essential energy, for instance, we might call that power or life force, would be um, what we associate with type 8 uh, and one of the dimensions that the Enneagram would be describing. Whereas if we move to, let's say, another dimension, we would say that if we're, if we're fully present in each moment, we notice that life functions, that, the, you know, the... 
the moon does go around the Earth and the planets do revolve around the solar system and there are there is volcanic activity and it affects the ecosystem in this certain way and there's gravity and there's, we just notice that human beings, for instance, have a desire to care for themselves to survive and also to be bonded and also to express their gifts. So there's a kind of natural and inherent functioning or um, expression of energy in form and it has, and it's very much related to Leo, this particular one, that there's the desire to have the sense of personal expression of that Shakti that we were talking about, just that, you know, that raw aliveness and isness also wants to have a very personal way of expressing its radiance and its gift. And we would associate that particular dimension with what we call type 3, um, and the temperament of those people is very energetic uh, in getting things done, though, in, in manifesting things and creating things in form. Now, we all have all of these capacities, all nine capacities. But what happens is, based on our, you know, we, we don't understand it completely, but we certainly can say that based on our um, uh, brain development, based on our... Um, DNA based on our uh, life experiences that we've had. Some would say based on kind of a soul energy that we come in with. We have gifts or tendencies or proclivities in one or more of these domains, but we certainly have a place where our being, our soul, thrills to that particular aspect of life and feels terrible pain and loss and terror at the sense that we've become disconnected from it. So um, so this is what happens. There are these different dimensions. I've mentioned two of them. One is the great life force and sort of the raw primal ener- energy. And another one that we associate with type 3 is the personal the desire to personally express this energy in some kind of form, to have a sense of worth and meaning about our actions and the way that we function. And what happens with the Enneagram, what the Enneagram brilliantly describes, is having lost contact with the essential truth that these qualities already exist having had the experience somewhere between conception and early childhood, you know, our caregivers or our culture that we're brought up in or our life experiences as a child may cause us to feel separation from, you know, that sort of boundless dimension. Many people would call it God, but we'll just call it essence right now. That we, and we don't ever want to feel the loss of that again, so we scramble to get back to that thing that matters to us so much. And so the person, for instance, who's very interested in the whole way that everything in existence would personally express uh, by putting this amazing energy into some kind of form and radiance and and gift to the world, that person is now going to try to become the gift and they're going to try to achieve, and they're going to try to be at the top, and be the, they're going to try to bring the shine back to life, the, you know, the, the radiance back to life. But now since they're doing it from a place of a, a sense of separation, because they're not actually landed in the fact that the radiance is already here, 
they develop an, uh, a, a separate cell that says, I want to be radiant. I want to be seen. I want to be the shine. And so these people become super achievers usually in whatever dimension they're working in it, you know, whether they're you know, a, a waitress or whether they're the head of a corporation, they're going to be wanting to make a difference, to be seen, to be noticed, to to get the A, to to really, um, I don't know, bring have the sense that they're they're doing it the best. So the so, and this is a very, um, I would even say, dumbed down description of what that whole. Uh, thing is about, and we can go into it a little bit more in a few minutes, but just suffice it to say that what the Enneagram does is take these nine essential qualities of life, of, of God, of a human being's capacity, and it brilliantly describes with each one what is the central loss that a person of that type feels. What do they attempt to do to rectify that loss? How do they skew the way that they're looking at themselves in life and what they do and others and what they do with themselves and life and others in order to try to achieve their goal, uh, which is now probably a somewhat uh, misguided um, effort to get to something that is actually not the original thing they wanted. And so, you, you know, there are just endless uh, variations of ways that people can work with the Enneagram. They, the, of course, what is most powerful in uh, one sense is to recognize that the behaviors that we have been doing that have been causing ourselves or others suffering or have been limiting our capacity for liberation, for love, for wisdom, for presence, that we can know these now from a place of utter compassion. It's like it, it really clicks. It really makes sense why that person, why I, each one of us, would do this thing because, you know, we're thinking that it's going to get us what we want. It also, uh, and so one of the most powerful things is to become aware of our own type and to develop this sort of compassionate, and clear view of what we're doing. It really changes the game. I have found it to be one of the most powerful therapeutic instruments because you're able to look at stuff that you might have felt ashamed about, fearful about, stuff that you really couldn't even find a way to get your hands on without feeling immense pain. You suddenly can look at from this whole vantage point of healing and compassion. A second point of why the Enneagram is really powerful is, and I feel this has to be brought out more into the world, is the compassion and empathy and co-creativity that it can bring into relationships. If you suddenly understand that person's not doing that because they don't care about me or because they're annoying or because they're clueless or because they're disrespectful, they're doing that because they think that's what one is supposed to do to get this certain quality in life that they want. And all of a sudden, everything changes in relationships. You're like, oh, that's why this person is doing it. And now you've created a co-creative field where you can both work together from the perspective of honoring each other's basic goodness and having unconditional positive regard for one another. I would say the third, a third very powerful use of the Enneagram 
is to notice, and for me, this is where I really like to specialize. This is my, you know, particular um, work is delving into how to create processes and methodologies and practices that will um, bring what I'm about to talk to online for each person that when we've spent so much of our energy trying to create these um, pseudo, these pathways that are pseudo essence, they're not really the real thing. Um, we've done that by ignoring eight other dimensions of ourselves. And religions do this too. For instance, Christianity tends to be a very what we would call type two and type six kind of religion, whereas Judaism might be more of a type 8 and type 6, and Buddhists would be more of type 5. All of these types have their luminous qualities and their enlightened qualities, and so there are great gifts that they bring to the world. But there are other dimensions, other capacities, other energies of uh, being a fully awake human, a fully embodied human that have been ignored, have even been mistrusted have even been seen as being the opposite of what we want. And I think here is what here is uh, herein is where lies the deepest, most transformational potential of the Enneagram is that it could show all of us these nine paths, these nine dimensions, these nine energies in all of us so that we become much more not only well rounded but much more expansive human beings. And on top of that, that we discover that uh, things that we previously thought were paradoxical or oppositional are in fact not. Uh, That quiet and loudness or stillness and dynamism or um, uh, kindness and gentleness and power and fierceness are not at all oppositional. In fact, they're one and the same thing. And they both are more full for the presence of the other. The Enneagram is just brilliant in giving us access to that and showing us the pathways for that to be possible. This, These nine dimensions that you refer to as expressions of the divine, one of the most unique things about the Enneagram that I was exposed to in your coursework, I had studied the Myers-Briggs type indicator, and it types people. However, the typing was static. Once you were coined one particular type, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. who you were. Mm. The Enneagram has a dynamic process to it as you talk about the incorporation of all nine ways of expressing ourselves. Speak to that, would you, Jessica? Yes, absolutely. You're right, Janie. This is one of the most exciting parts of it. The Enneagram is is absolutely not a static system. What it's showing us is kind of like energy or energetic constellations, how things can come together to create or produce energies that are absolutely critical and and wise and profound for building life, for building a self, a, a real, the true self, or for discovering the true self, for building relationships, for building um, really anything, for building the universe, and that none of them are static. Each of them in of themselves, in fact, are boundless and uh, qualities, so that even at the level of personality, 
even at the level of a particular action that we take, the Enneagram is sort of showing us that it's connected to this more boundless essential dimension which has an infinite capacity to dance and play with an infinite number of other capacities. So one of the ways that we can most easily see this is um, through something that we might call or is called often the law of seven. So the Enneagram symbol, um, which our viewers can't see it right now, but when they are looking at it, represents both that there is one, we call this the law of one, that everything is one, and of course we, we know this, but in fact the one is not one unless everything is included in it. So then there's the law of three, and the law of three shows that there are seemingly two opposites, like masculine and feminine, but there's always a resolving force. Like, what is the, what is the actual, what does the having, this one has now manifested as masculine and feminine, but what does the having of the masculine and feminine create as a third energy which actually contributes to the one or the everything? And then there's the law of seven, and you'll notice in the symbol, if you look at it at some point, that the, the, the two, four, one, point seven, and five points, um, and eight, sorry, those seven points, are they do not have an ending. They don't, like, they're not enclosed. They're just, there's a, they're, you know, there's a point that starts that's not particularly uh, connected. Well, it's connected, excuse me, but it's not closed as if there's an ending. And this is to represent dynamism and change, that... In fact, everything is always evolving and it's evolving or can be evolving into more and more awakened states. So if you take one point, let's just take, um, we've talked about point eight and point three, we'll take point two. So point two is the, the point that is the most, the type or the temperament that is most concerned with responsiveness and generosity and kindness and really responding to the needs that uh, exist within each of us that would, if fulfilled, would help us grow into the best version of ourselves. Um, And that point is connected to also directly to point four and to point eight. Now, sometimes these directions are called, one point will be called the direction of integration and one will be called the direction of stress or the direction of disintegration. But in fact, what we've come to understand is these are just the most immediate next energies that point people of type 2 will get connected with as they are experiencing either a stress that is causing them to contract and collapse, they will start to depend on these other energies that they have within them. Or if they are in a highly a learning mode and evolving and expanding, they will start to be able to um, access or reach out to first the energies of those other two types most immediately. But in fact, then after that, it goes on to the next points and the next points and the next points. So what we find with the Enneagram is that we are not creating a box. We're not saying to somebody, you are this type, and so that's what you'll always be. 
what we're saying is here are your tendencies. This is, these are the particular ways that you tend to forget your essential nature. These are the particular ways that you tend to forget who you really are. These are the particular behaviors that you will fall back on when you're stressed. These are the particular ways you will have blind spots about other energies in you that need to develop. And if you can notice those, you suddenly start opening up to much larger dimensions of who you are. And in fact, eventually, um, you know, it is theoretically possible that a person would no longer fixate on any one energy, but they would be in a constant state of availability or willingness to just utilize whichever of those energies or whichever combination of those energies is needed in the moment to respond to life in a way that serves awakening for ourselves and the other. Jessica, let's go ahead and take another short break now. And when we come back, um, we're interested in hearing more about this dynamic model called the Enneagram from you. And listeners, if you have questions or comments for Jessica Dibb, the number to call is 1-866-472-5795. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.maryjoweavers.com. Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to astrology the theory of everything to reach the hosts or the guests today please call 1-866-472-5795 again that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email to astrotalkradio at icloud.com now back to the show 
Welcome back. This is Mary Jo Weavers with my co-host, Janie McCarthy. We've been talking with Jessica Dibb about a favorite Leo topic, the ego, and how it can be understood through the Enneagram. And Jessica, can you speak to how we might use the Enneagram and integrate it into other practices uh, to enhance our consciousness, our awareness. Um, can you speak about the universality of the Enneagram and how powerful a model it is? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Mary Jo. It really, in this moment, as you ask that question, I feel my being reveling in and celebrating and honoring all the good people, all the people that are listening to this show. Anyone who's listening to this show is doing so because there's some kind of movement in them, some kind of orientation, some kind of yearning perhaps in their heart um, to be awake, to be conscious, to be the best version of themselves that they can bring to the planet. And so I can only imagine that there is a plethora, you know, almost an infant variety of practices that people are doing, humanistic practices, psychological practices, spiritual practices, that there are so many different um, studies that people are undertaking. Uh, Your own show, Astrology, and Janie, you mentioned the Myers-Briggs, there's Jungian, there's... um, Rudolf Steiner, there are, you know, then there's Buddhist and yogic, and I mean, we could just go on and on and on. And I would love to say to all of you that the Enneagram is going to be completely complementary to whatever you do, because essentially what it's showing us is whatever you do, whatever you're, however you're trying to awaken, you are we are all trying to develop the capacity to be in our hearts, able to be intimate with each moment of reality, in our bodies, able to take to, to, to be here, to actually participate, to be with the sensations of reality as it is, not in a state of denial, and function in it. And in our head center that we want to be awake to reality, again, not in denial, we want to see what is actually happening and simultaneously see what is possible from a place of clarity and guidance, curiosity and joy. So what the Enneagram does is it gives us specificity about these three centers, types two, three and four are heart-centered, five, six, and seven, head center, eight, nine, and one, body center, and all the issues that all of us have with being in our hearts, with having a heart that is open, with developing the capacity for empathy, unconditional love, depth, meaning, radiance, responsiveness, attunement, um, beauty, the head center, we're going to be looking at the qualities of clarity and brilliance, understanding, illumination, guidance, uh, connection, action, curiosity, possibility. And the body center, we're going to be looking at issues of aliveness and vitality, empowerment, um, being, pure being, right action, 
uh, nobility and sacred movement. And all of these things, the Enneagram is going to be showing you in whatever you do, even with your spiritual practices, the ways that your particular temperament may be using the practice to actually disconnect you from the thing that you really want rather than to take you to the full-on version of the, the thing that your, your heart is really yearning for. The Enneagram is going to be able to integrate with, in fields of awareness with our daily actions, you know, how I'm doing this, why I'm doing this. I mean, I have never come across anything. There are people working with the Enneagram, with NLP, with Jungian, with dance, with somatic therapies, with um, uh, attachment and childhood patterns, with um, uh, kinesthetic movement, with psychodynamic issues. I mean, it just meditation. There are people that are working with it with different kinds of meditation and spiritual practices. So there's a real universality here that I think is going to make everyone's practice more powerful, everyone's path more vivid, um, and, and, and also create, I dare say, less wasted time because you'll be able to catch yourself in the act of misusing the things that are the most precious to you. Jessica, when I was in your course one of the practices that I was introduced to that I had not done before was the breath work, the integrative breath work. Mm. You have taught this nationally, internationally, in conferences for several years, and it was an enormous breakthrough for me to experience the experiential piece of breathwork was an enormous breakthrough for me. Would you discuss that with our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you, Janie. And it has tremendous implications for the work with the Enneagram, too. So let me just briefly say that everyone who's listening to this call, you and I share, you and all of us share an experience that the very first thing we ever did was take a breath in this body. And the very last thing that we will do is take a breath. And the implications of that are so profound that throughout the ages, people have been discovering the power of optimal breathing and the power of particular breath practices for both preventing and curing physical, emotional, cognitive, and even spiritual imbalances and producing or supporting optimal states in all of those realms. Now, in one breath, if we learn how to breathe correctly, if we learn how to breathe into presence, if we learn how to relax into reality with the breath, we can become so present that our future becomes much more uh, robust and open because we're not, we're freed up from neurological and kinesthetic and emotional and psychological patterns just in that one breath that would take us off course from presence and our essence. Here at Inspiration, Janie, as you experienced, we have been using this deep integrative breathing that is one of the techniques that takes a person to the deepest potential of their soul. 
and clears away all the psychological, unexamined psychological, um, cognitive trauma and material that may have been um, there so that the person can experience really uh, complete open-ended liberation, presence, and love and utilize their energies very robustly and vitally uh, for the thing, the vision of their soul. Um, I just want, you know, people, if, if you're interested in learning about breathing, wherever you are, you will be able to find people now that this is the next wave of health. Uh, yoga was it 20 or 30 years ago. We are at the beginning of the crest of a wave. Uh, research is taking us there. Uh, showing us that this is true, that breath is probably the most powerful medicine of the human species. It Jessica, is equalizer, and anyone can learn to do it. Dear, we only have two more minutes left. I want to make sure you get an opportunity to tell people how to get in touch with you and what's going in in October. Okay. Um, well, if you would like to learn more about any of this, you can contact us at uh, inspirationcommunity.org. Uh, our email is essence at inspirationcommunity.org. We have about 15 globally professionally certified breath workers that have all studied for over 7 to 10 years to do this kind of work. We have practitioners in Maine, New York, um, Washington, D.C., even Arizona, and we also, of course, have quite a plethora of practitioners right here in Baltimore and in Owings Mills, so uh, you can find out about that. In October 18th to 23rd, we will be holding a five-day breath immersion from science to samadhi at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Massachusetts, bringing together 15 of the most prominent and accomplished pioneers, scientists, breath teachers in the world, psychiatrists, to give people a five-day dip into learning to breathe optimally and a plethora of breathing techniques that you can use in every moment of your life and even understanding breath as the most powerful unifying force of the human species. Jessica, thank you so very much for joining us today. And thank, thank you, you, Mary Jane. Jo. We're going to be moving to the sun sign of Virgo at our next show. Please make sure you stay in touch with us through finding us, liking us, sharing us on Facebook at Astro Talk Radio, linking up with us on LinkedIn, or tweeting us at hashtag Astro Talk Radio. Blessings to all of you, and thank you again for joining us. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next week for another edition of Astrology, the Theory of Everything. We're live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. May the stars be with you.